Hi, and welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I am in conversation with the absolutely delightful Melanie Labore, who is currently starring as Juliet's nurse, Angelique, in And Juliet on Broadway. She has been a part of this production since 2017, and as she talks about in the conversation, she has seen the show go through a lot of different changes, and some of them leading to some of the best moments for her character and the things that she enjoys the most in the show. In our conversation, she discusses the highlights that she likes to watch every day, what it's like to have to hear songs from her show literally every single place she goes in the world, and also as the original Mrs. Phelps in Matilda the Musical, originally at Stratford-upon-Avon and then in the West End, she talks about how incredible it is to see that show continue to entertain audiences around the world and now heading to the big screen and Netflix later this month. Of course, we will have information in the show notes where you can buy tickets to see Anne Juliet, and I do highly recommend it, and social media information for Mel. So, with all that out of the way, here's my conversation with Melanie Labore. I have to tell you, I saw the show during previews a few weeks ago, and it has been one of those things where I, one, the songs everybody knows are infectious, but I can't get the show out of my head, um, whether it's the 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 performances or the staging or the choreography or all of the the visuals. I imagine for someone like you who has been with this show now for, I think, over five years now, right? Like, I imagine it just kind of has to be running through your head on a loop 24 hours a day at this point. <laughs> the thing about these songs is that you cannot go anywhere and not hear them. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm because sure. they are Max Martin super hits, so you cannot you cannot escape the show. Not there are so many times when you know, like me and some of the kids, or sometimes we or, or me and my partner, we go to have dinner somewhere, and it's just going to be the show playing on loop. It's it's very very funny. Um, it's that's the thing that I love about this show. It's a really hard show to talk about because if you talk about it, the premise seems so. Uh, out of this world that you you know you you kind of you can't imagine how it will work yeah but the way that they put it together it's the alchemy was really quite perfect and when you come to see it there are things you just think about it all the time you just mm -hmm. can't get it out of your head and well, first off, when you do hear one of the songs in like a restaurant or something, do you automatically like have to do the choreo, whether it's one of your songs or not? <laughs> no, it's already hard enough for me at nearly 50 to be running behind these kids. So I'm not trying <laughs> to do choreography when I, okay, know, when I don't have to. <laughs> that's very fair. And this choreography is no joke in this show, which I guess we can talk about in a minute. But um, you're right. This show, like th the elevator pitch of this show is. Oh, what happens if Juliet doesn't die at the end of Romeo and Juliet? Like, okay, we get that. That that makes sense. But the show is so much more than that. And even I knew a little bit about the show from its previous runs uh, in the UK. But even knowing what I knew, like, I don't think that I was prepared for, one, all of the different twists and turns that it takes, but also the depth that the show has. And I feel like at this point, the songs are great and people are going to love the show because of the the songs and the choreography and the visuals. But like to have this kind of impact on... I guess not only both sides of the Atlantic, but in multiple places, because you while we're in Canada before New York, like there has to be something deeper to that, to the storytelling than just the music. And I think that's obviously shown itself in all of the different stops that Andrew Liet has had so far. 
Oh yes, I think I think David West Reed remains one of the cleverest people that I know. Um, he really understands his audience. So the, the, the humor is second to none. Um, you know, some people will call it uh, a bit, you know, punny or, or whatever, uh, but it, it really is. You just know, I, I read the script. I remember, and that was the thing that when I read the script, which was very different to the script as it is now, but read it back in 2017, it was, I felt the same way I felt about that script as I felt when I first read Matilda. Oh, we're going to talk which, about that. Don't worry. We're going to yeah. get to Matilda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I felt that way where, where I read the script and I said, this is such a good book. It's such a clever book of a musical. I think David was also very uh, lucky in that Max opened up his catalog and gave him free reign over quite a number of songs so he could find the absolute perfect one. And we're also so lucky as well that Max is so prolific so that he had, there is a song for every emotion. There is yeah. a song for every situation. And also there are songs where you wouldn't think to think about the song in that way. And that's why David is so clever. He's really, I mean, he is a magician with words and he's a, a magician with humor. And I, I, I appreciate him so much and I appreciate him. I appreciate the material that he gave me in the show. Um, it, it, and also a lot of it was built on me as well. And so for him to hear my voice and to hear my Trinidadianness and to, um, just write in a way that works with the the rise and fall of the way Trinidadians speak and the the way that we we talk so fast and you know we have to get everything out all the time and um, and and all of that the energy that I have and and the way that he wrote for my specific energy I just think he's he's just magical. Well, you, you said like when you read the script originally in 2017, it was a much different script than what mm -hmm. we are seeing on Broadway now. And obviously being a part of the entire developmental process of any show, um, as you were, as we mentioned with Matilda, which we'll get back to. But like that has to be a, a, a fairly interesting process, no matter what the circumstances. But when you are kind of pulling from songs that are. Uh, established and well known, and as you said, uh, Max has such a deep reservoir of of material. What was that process like going in and out as these characters developed, as your character developed, as new and maybe some different songs came in and out? What was that whole experience like from the first time you read the script to when you got it on stage? And I I don't think that it's changed a ton since the West End over here, but but before then, what was what was that whole experience like? But it hasn't changed a ton, but it has changed. And it, it's changed in some really quite extraordinary ways um, since the West End and even since Toronto to the show that we really? finally done on Broadway. Um, it, th th there were even changes that were made then. And, and it was quite something. It was extraordinary. I thought the show was perfect. And uh, I didn't know that Luke Shepard could have more ideas to make to, to change the show. Um, and he he managed to. He managed to make some emotional moments even more profound and hit um, more directly to the heart. And I think that's, um, he, he's, uh, yeah, he, he's a talented young director. And I, I couldn't, I really couldn't believe it when I saw him do it. I was like, wow, you, you really are something else. Um, yeah, being part of the developmental process, it, um, 
a lot of the songs, a lot of the things that were in the show, like there were certain uh, moments in the show, there were always a, a journey, um, there was always the wedding, you know, that they, they, they were always there. So the building blocks of the show were always, they were really quite solid by the time that they came. And bearing in mind that they'd done about two workshops in the US before it got to me in 2017. Um, so they, they'd done some work on it already. But I love that it took such a long time because it meant that they were able to get rid of the fluff and also um, to put in moments that they realize, oh gosh, we hadn't heard from this character for a while. So for example, that proposal speech that I made, um, it wasn't in any script until week three of actual rehearsals for the show going to Manchester for its first run. Um, and in week three, uh, they, David decided, he said, gosh, you know, after since you've been gone, we don't really hear from the nurse for a long time until uh, later on. Um, and so uh, I wanted to have her say something because, I, you know, she we don't get to find out what she really wants. And that kind of he just came with this piece of paper and we sat on an exercise mat, me and Anna Fox, the, the associate director. And he said, could you just read this? And I read it in exactly the same way that I do it now. I just read it really because it was so much script as well. And I knew that it it was um, dependent, like doing this well was, was dependent on having a drive and really just, I, I always have an analogy for saying that speech. It's like running at full speed towards the end of a cliff and then jumping off and not knowing where you're going to land. And, and that's how, as soon as I saw the words, I knew that it had to be that. So he brought that for me really deep into the process, <laughs> which was which was really kind of cool. You know, there was a time that Perfect was um, Juliet's entrance song into her wedding. Um, and they they decided to shift it uh, and, and make it its own moment. And that's, you know, so that's nice as well. So seeing that, of course, all of my favorite um, jokes are still there, uh, you know, like, like um, I don't want to say them, but, you know, like the things yeah, that happen with the name, you know, it's like, you know, like the devoir, the, 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 it's yeah. the longest setup for a joke ever. And I still shriek out with laughter backstage. It works. When yeah, I hear it, it still works. Yeah, it definitely works. Well, <laughs> you mentioned names, like you're playing a character who is well known to theater lovers for centuries at this point, but for the first time, as far as I know, she has a name other than the nurse or Juliet's nurse. I don't know if that's, I don't know what that means other than that. She's more of a fully fleshed out person, but like, that's kind of a big deal. Yes. I think she's called Angelica in, um, in some other versions of Romeo oh, really? and Juliet. Okay. Yes. So David Bastrid, again, is super, super clever. Yeah. <laughs> because we were heading off to France. And so he, he he makes her, and she is a more fleshed out character. And she's not just an adjunct to Juliet and her journey. Um, she has her own story. Um, it's one of the nice things. Nothing is superfluous in this play. Everybody's there for a real important reason and everybody has their own story uh and that to me is is the thing that makes this work so well because it's not just a Romeo and Juliet story it's a Shakespeare and Anne story it's a, a May story it's a Francois Lance story and uh Angelique has her, her own arc as well which is quite beautiful 
And it's and it's it, it is interesting how the show is constructed and all of those people don't feel like they get short shrift on anything like they you get real full developed arcs normally so you've got an a plot and a b plot and the b plots just kind of there but there there's a c d and e plot in here too but they all feel like they have fully realized not only arcs but conclusions and messages at the end of it as well yeah it's it's yeah, it's a real triumph. It's a real triumph of the script. And it kind of shows that, you know, that writing can be brisk and um, not succinct is not the right word, but it could be it could be tight in a way that you can flesh something out with a well-chosen song and, uh, you know, a well-placed um, few lines of dialogue and a whole story can emerge, but it's it's not just those arcs. It's it's the way that those arcs are intertwined with all the other arcs as well, yeah. um, and that's what make makes them uh, f- so full. The lives of these characters are so full because, as you say, you know, there's the a plot and then there's a b plot. But this this b plot, you know, all the, all the all the other little plots, are, they all wrap around all the other strands. And and so you don't even have to be in that scene, but that scene informs everything that you are before and what comes next for you. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I can't get over David West Reed and, and, and the work that he's done on this. Yeah. Well, you, you talk about how everything is succinct. I think somebody, I don't know who, but somebody once said brevity is the soul of wit. So I feel like that <laughs> certainly... Certainly applies uh, in this case. But we talked about the fact that, like you said, you've been involved with this show since 2017, Manchester, UK, then coming over here and doing the show with the majority, if not the entire cast in Canada before making your Broadway debut uh, in New York. How has the experience of doing this with a predominantly completely different cast. And while they're not all American, um, a, you know, doing it in Canada, in New York, how is those ex- that experience different than having done it in the UK, whether that was uh, in Manchester or in the West End and, and all of those things? Are there significant differences for you from being at home and then being over here? Because I'm imagining just lifestyle stuff is different, but oh. but on stage as well. Well, I mean, I mean, that's a full question because, first of all, I remember when we were just about to do the first reading on the first day of rehearsal in New York. And I remember because we do it all. Well, I I have my own accent. I, I just do my own accent. And of course, Lance has a French accent, but everybody else has British accents at home. And so then we then we come <laughs> here and I was like. It wasn't trepidation, but it was curiosity. It was certainly curiosity where I was like, what's this going to sound like in American accents? This is going to be so weird. Um, it wasn't weird at all. David West Reed knows what he's doing. You know, um, he writes American humor. He writes American television and film. And um, uh, he really knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah, it just, and it's amazing how quickly you just get used to things. Um, so, so quickly. As for living in New York, it's, Wow, it's um yeah, you do you do have to get <laughs> it's like you like like God, the price of food. That that yeah. shocked me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure that's not the only thing that shocked you, but yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an expensive city. But again, it's it's amazing because I am a city, I'm a city girl at heart, you know. I love London. I love the energy of London and central London in particular. I've worked in the West End so often that, you know, it's it's like my second home. And um I I just 
I love the energy of New York and I love, I love New Yorkers because, you know, somebody said, you know, they, they can't, they said that one New Yorker described themselves and they said, we're, we're not, we're not nice, but we are kind. And, you know, when I go to, we go to dinner around our own neighborhood or, you know, we go to, you know, have a little drink in one of the local bars or whatever, somebody always speaks to me. They always talk to me. You know, they just come and they just start telling me stories or they, or they t- tell me about something or they hmm. ask a question. And, and it's been, it's been so nice, you know, that, that even in your neighborhood, you could feel like you're part of a neighborhood so quickly. And I know Midtown Manhattan is a, it's like a, a whole other, <laughs> it's a whole yeah. other thing onto itself. But I do really love this city. I, I think it's just really beautiful. And I've been having such an amazing time here. That's great. Well, you mentioned the fact that you say like London is your second home, but as you mentioned before, you are a Trinidadian and you're not the only person um, who's not either British or American in this case. There are Canadians. You mentioned uh, Paolo is Brazilian, even though he is doing yes. the the French accent. Beyond that, there's also different actors of different colors and identities and body types. And like, not only is that one of those things where I think a lot of shows do some of those casting decisions just so they can check off some diversity type boxes, but having that eclectic background of so many people really plays into the story of Anne Juliet, the characters of of, of Anne Juliet. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that, even if it's not something that is belabored in the script itself, it certainly adds a lot to what we see in that show. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the thing. The thing about it is that you look onto our stage and you see the world as it is. Like, it is an objective view of the actual world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's there's nothing, you know, and it sometimes saddens me, you know, that that that's surprising. It, it, you know, because it's just like, well, why can't we see the world on stage? And... I wasn't a part of the casting process, um, but I know Luke and I know that Luke and I know Jen and I know that they would definitely just have gotten the right person for the job. But they would have said uh, to our, our fantastic casting people, Steve Copel, that that uh, we want to see everyone. We want to mm-hmm. see everyone who can do this job, not just, you know, people who tend to always come in for these types of jobs. We want to see, you know, let, let's see what we can do. Let's see. Let's open the room up to everyone who is able to do this. Um, and, you know, we can always go further. There's always, you know, some dial that we can switch and, and, and make it, you know, more of one thing or more of another thing. And we you'll probably see that in other iterations of the cast as the show goes on, please. I'm keeping everything crossed that the show oh, goes sure. on. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so you, we will see more of it and we will see different um, groupings and different mixtures and all of that. But it is and should always be an objective picture of the entire world in which we live. And I think that that's just stunning. Yeah, it really, really is. Well, I, to make a, a slight pivot here, you've mentioned the fact that uh, David Westreed is one of the cleverest people you've ever worked with. I don't know that there is many conversations in the world, let alone in just theater specific, where you talk about people who are clever and Tim Mention is not um, brought up at some point or another. Obviously, you were... 
uh, a part of that original cast uh, of Matilda, both again out of town before coming to the West End, first at Stratford, um, uh, playing Mrs. Phelps. That show now is getting ready to have this big, huge movie here in the States that's already out uh, over in the UK. What is that whole, I mean, it's been over a decade now, but has that whole show meant to you to see it go from where you all started with it to have success in London, have success uh, in in the U.S. on tour all around the world and now going to be up on the big screen, big screen and on Netflix for everybody to experience? I mean, it's so cool, right? It's just the coolest thing in the world. Um, and to, to see, uh, the thing that I love to see is all the people who play Mrs. Phelps, because yeah. I just think it's so cool. I just, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, it's this person. <laughs> that's, that's like amazing, <laughs> you know? Um, and you see all the people in the costumes and, you know, when, when I consider that my costume was put together from, from like thrift stores in Stratford upon Avon, you know, <laughs> and to see that 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 aesthetic still remains to this day. But I think you know they they have costumes now. But you know that's it's it's kind of it's so cool. And yeah, you know, I was in another interview again talking about Tim Minchin, and you talk about these geniuses, and and yeah, Tim Minchin is a genius, as is Matthew Watchers and Peter Darling, who did the original choreography, and Ellen Kane, who's done the choreography um, for the film, and they like, and Chris Nightingale, who who did the music. Um, like they're all like these, like these brain boxes of of knowledge <laughs> and talent, and you know, but you know, I can't believe I'm going to say this again because Tim is going to like kill me if he, but but Tim is also a clown, you know. <laughs> all the best yeah, people are yeah. clowns right you know he's like he's like this jokey and super smart and you know like really silly and you know just like he's just when you're working with geniuses you just you don't really think about it you don't think about how genius they are like I, I'm like talking about David West Reed now and I don't really think like when I'm with him because he's so shy and so awkward and and so when I'm with David West Reed I don't think about what genius he is when I have to talk about his work then you know of course um and it's the same with tim when i was working with tim tim and i would you know have all sorts of debates about all sorts of things um or we would make really really silly jokes about all sorts of things mm -hmm. um uh but i never really thought about their genius i suppose because we were making the same thing yeah you know but it's only when you sit down afterwards and you listen to all of his other stuff you go yeah that man's really smart <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I will wrap this up since I know you have a show here in a few hours, but you are in New York. You've been in New York now for probably, what, a month and a half at this point, two months at this point. You are getting ready to do your first holiday Christmas season in uh, in New York and whatever uh, your normal holiday year in traditions are. New York is kind of a different animal when it comes to those things. And obviously you are going to be very busy with performances, but are, are there any holiday things that while you're in the city that you feel like you have to do things you have to see um, if you have the energy and time off in between all of the shows that you're going to have between now and the end of the year? Well, I think um, my kids, some of my kids at, at the show, they're going to, because 
I love lights. Like I love Christmas mm-hmm. with my whole heart. Yeah. And I love Christmas lights and I love Christmas trees. So of course we got to go see, you know, the big important yeah. tree. The Rockefeller Center. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Rockefeller tree. Uh, so they're going to kind of take me around to see all the lights and all, all the, the, the decorations. I mean, well, where we are, because we're down in Times Square, you mm-hmm. know, and, and there's the Bryan Park Christmas Market. That's there. And, you know, so there, there's so many things like around us, but I am going to just be like going around um and 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 seeing all the pretty lights and all the decorations I, it's it's just it fills my heart with so much joy to see so many twinkling lights up mm-hmm. and around the city uh it, it and and so that's that's well that will be my thing you know if i can walk around between shows or, or whatever or meet meet up a little bit earlier to go do that but um yeah so i'm looking forward to that yeah. Do you have a favorite tradition that you are going to have to bring over from home and do it here in New York this year? Well, I think everybody kind of has the same tradition, even though they might do it in a different way. But it's all about food and drink and music. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so so for me, it'll just be about that. It'll be about food, like, like copious, like like more food than should feed two people. <laughs> definitely is going to do that. Um, I'm not going to get to be with my family because I think um, most of my family are going to be heading back to Trinidad and Tobago um, for the Christmas because we still have some family down there, but a, a lot of my family also live in the States. So I'm not going to be seeing them. Um, but uh, where I don't not normally see them anyway because I'm normally over in the UK. Yeah. It, you know, so it's normally just my partner and I. And um, so it's going to be like lots of food and lots of drink. I'm going to be getting my drink on. And also it'll be about, we have this uh, great music in Trinidad and Tobago called uh, Parang and Soka Parang, which is the music that we make at, at Trinidad uh, at Christmas time in Trinidad and Tobago. So that will be blasting over my speakers. And so it will just be a house full of joy and light. I wasn't going to buy a Christmas tree, but I ended up buying a Christmas tree yeah. because I was like, because I was like, oh, God, now I have two of everything, you know, I, I, I have the stuff that I have in, in our house in London. And now I have to have all those things over here as well. So I have like two air fryers and that kind of thing. And so <laughs> I said, I'm not gonna, yeah. Yeah, I know I said, I'm not going to have a Christmas tree, but then I caved last night because I said, I have to have one because I love Christmas so much. So yeah. So I'm waiting for my tree to come and I'm going to be putting up the, those decorations and I just can't wait. Awesome. Well, I'll get you out of one, one last question. Earlier, you mentioned there's a moment, again, we don't want to spoil what it is, where one of the names, the long joke in the show kind of uh, pays <laughs> off. Is there a moment other than that, maybe one that you can give a just a slight more detail in that you look forward to every night, whether it's something you do or whether it's something you're on stage for or something you're behind uh, the scenes for, anything that just kind of stands out as being emblematic about what and Juliet on Broadway is for audience members who might want to come and see it? There are three things that, that okay. I I can say. Uh, the first one is being on stage anytime Betsy Wolf makes a pun. It's <laughs> so one of good. my favorite things in the whole wide world. I adore that woman. I think she's one of the most extraordinary actresses I've ever set foot on stage with. Um, I, I, you know, I, I also think she's so silly and we are so silly together. Um, and so if I'm on stage, uh, every time she makes a joke, and there was one time the director, he said to me, he said, you know, you, you sometimes it looks like, you know, you and Betsy, 
like he said, you you laugh and and you laugh at stuff. And I don't know if it's Angelique laughing at the joke or if it's Mel laughing at <laughs> Betsy. And I said, it's definitely Mel laughing at Betsy. I'm yeah. definitely breaking character at that point and just enjoying myself. So I have to work really hard because she entertains me no end. So there's that. Um, secondly, it's when I do the proposal speech uh, to Lance and um, uh, it's just some of the favorite text that has ever left my mouth. Um, and and I, it's a present that David Westry gave me and I, I will always be grateful for that. And uh, thirdly, it's my final moment with, with Juliet yeah. uh, on stage. And, and that, because that's, for her, um, but it's also for everybody who's on stage and it's also for everyone in the audience. And I've had so many beautiful messages uh, from audience members who write me afterwards and they say, I feel as if you were singing that for me. Um, and it was exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. And, and I feel grateful that they get it, that they get that I'm, although I'm singing it to Juliet, I am singing it to everybody who needs that message at that time. And that remains one of my all time favorite things to do. Well, that it's, it's a lovely moment. And I, I'm glad that it has meant so much to so many people. Uh, and they've been able to tell you. And so you get to hear how that has impacted folks. So Mel, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I, I think as I've, I've talked about before, so people who are listening to this will not be surprised by this, but this is the type of show that I feel like I, at least I'll just speak for me. I needed more of in my life, this thing that is fun, but also smart and energetic and joyous. I, I feel like we have not had nearly as many of those shows as I think we needed coming out of the pandemic, especially. So this show definitely hit in the exact right way that I needed when I saw it a few weeks ago. So uh, thank absolutely. you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thank your entire company for that and the creatives. And I hope that you will have a wonderful Christmas season. Uh, uh, both on and off stage and have a tremendous run in this show. And for however long you get to stay here in, in, in the U.S., we will be glad to have you. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. And all the very best to you and yours, too. 